and welcome to episode 36 of Soderbergh 2828, a show on the Talk Film Society where we talk about all of Steven Soderbergh's movies, which he just won't stop. <laughs> he said he was going to stop, but he, he's not stopping. <laughs> he's a liar. Oh, well. I'm Mike, and, and I'm joined... Oh yes, go I for forgot. It. Oh, I, it's been it's, it's been know, a while. It's it's, yeah. it, it's like now it's a biannual mm-hmm. thing. But yes, I'm Marcelo Pico. I forget what how the process goes. Like, yeah, but hey, hey, I'm Marcelo. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, I mean, it's it's March again, so it is. That means it is. that means good vibes all around, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, well, you know, you got, you know, new movies coming out. The Batman, the you know, Batman. starring Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Uh, she's having quite a, a month for herself. She's having you know? a moment. I, I, let me talk to you about my, my Twitter and a tweet I made today. I said, uh, anybody who's a fan of Zoe Kravitz movies where she solves a murder, like using you know, audio from said murder, they're having a great time this year because they've mm-hmm. got two of them. Batman and Kimmy. So, yeah. 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 Kimmy, the new movie by Steven Soderbergh. Oh, yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. Kimmy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, released on the good old HBO Max, skipping movie theaters altogether. Kind uh, of a bummer. Also, possibly skipping physical media altogether, um, which has been the case for the last few Soderbergh movies. Yeah. Which is a shame. There's a few that never made it to physical media, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm I'm hopeful that eventually these will have releases, like maybe a, a box set of all the HBO Max uh, films Soderbergh made, but or makes I don't know. But so far, nothing. Physical media is dead. Steven Soderbergh <laughs> would be ashamed of you for buying this crap to put on your shelf okay. when you could just stream it off of HBO Max. There's. There's a lot to talk about, and and like uh, the past, these past episodes we've done, there hasn't been really like a structure, but I kind of want to start with like Soderbergh news, if that's okay, oh, Mike. Okay, okay, All okay. Because right. I, I, structure. Steven Soderbergh would be ashamed <laughs> of you for having. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for like having structure and ha- and yeah. wanting physical media, but okay. something that wasn't on my list here, but that I want to address is um, for for any loyal listeners of this show. Last time we talked was for No Sudden Move, um, and I cannot remember, actually, if we talked about this on the show. I think we did, but Soderbergh, um, I'm not going to say promised, but he mentioned that at the end of the year, in 2021, he'd release a box set of, like, what, seven of his films, Um, and that never happened. So I I, I forget all the movies that were in in the box set that he that he proposed. I think one of them was like um, Bubble. The other one was Girlfriend Experience. I forget like the, the like two documentaries he made. But whatever the case, I, I mean, he never got around to it. Never happened. Um, I think Kafka was in there too. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mister Neff, right? Yeah. Which hey, and that screened last year. I don't think we talked about yeah. that on the show. That screened at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, I think it was a surprise screening, and it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what reactions you saw, Mike, but I saw a few that were just like, "What?" 
Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. people were like, oh, they walked out and everything. And I'm yeah. like, how come we couldn't be there? Come on. <laughs> that's This is our whole thing. Fly hey, us Steven out. Soderbergh, <laughs> send us a screener. Come on. Oh, God. I, we, I, I, I forget the, the details, but like, I think it was like, uh, it was a, it was like, um, he re-edited it into a silent film or something and he, uh, had underlying different music or so, I, whatever it was. I, from the sound of it, I was like, give it to me now. I want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to watch it. I want to, uh, cause it, it, we've, we've been talking about it for years now, seemingly yeah. Mike, like this, this new re-edit, the, the mm-hmm. midnight cut or whatever it was called years ago. Um, and it's yet to be released. It, I, we do not have our hands on it. Uh, I think we need to do an emergency episode as soon as it drops, Mike. Because oh, yeah. yeah. We, 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 it's essentially, from the sound of it, like a new movie. So um, eagerly awaiting whenever the hell that happens. Whenever Because Soderbergh's busy. I, he's, he, you know, he's got a few projects in the pipeline. So... You know, we'll probably wait a few more years for for that Kafka. But cut he's it. he's got this one done though; it's ready to go. It's it's frustrating. Uh, again, uh, I love that he's making these movies, but you know, he's got so much in the air that he can't just sit down and say, "Okay, I'm going to release this movie." Just release it on HBO Max. Like I, I'm sure he has the rights to it. Just just say, "Hey, you know, may, yeah. maybe he won't find an audience." Like he's not going to release it in theaters. That there's no way. Um, physical media. Eh, why not just release it on streaming? Just say, hey, here you go, and us psychos will watch it and and we'll we'll pump up the numbers. I'm going to watch it at least twice. So you know. I could see like a midnight release thing going on. I mean, I, it, it, for like uh, if it had like a limited run, like I, if it yeah. played here in Austin, I'm sure in Chicago it'd play. Like I, yeah. you, you know, yeah, we'd show up. The Soderbergh fans mm-hmm. will show up, but uh, but yeah, um, uh, no updates on when or if. I'm sure it'll it'll happen, but we don't know when that new cut no. of Kafka will will pop up. Yeah. Um. So that's one bit of news. Um. <laughs> so si- since since we last talked, uh, Soderbergh made uh news again, as he always seems to do when he does press runs for his new films. Um. He talked about there's no fucking in superhero movies. Um, yeah. uh, how, how do you feel about those comments, Mike? Uh, and I, I, I'm going to uh, – so I don't want to read the whole thing, but I'll just say uh, if, if you want to read this entire interview, which I got all this news from, like uh, the, the the big juicy interview he did where he revealed all these details about like his, his projects coming up, uh, is from the Daily Beast uh, published on February 7th, 2022. Um, and essentially, just to paraphrase what he said, they were asking him, would you do a franchise blockbuster superhero movie, whatever? And he goes, uh, no. He basically said, not my thing. He goes, basically, I don't understand it. Yada, yada, yada. There's no fucking. Nobody's fucking. <laughs> so that's basically what he said. Um, any comments, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, for the most part, he's true. I mean, I did see James Gunn respond and be like, hey, check out the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think he's he's pretty much right about that. Uh, I still enjoy uh, superhero movies quite a bit, and I'd love to see him 
you know, make one of them. But at the same time, I don't think he would ever do that. I know in the past he said, like, I need to make a movie, which I would be excited about seeing on opening day. And that's not a superhero movie. Yeah. And I get it. You know, I mean, if, you know, like there's lots and lots of people who like like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or whatever. And while I understand their enthusiasm, if I were a filmmaker and someone were to be like, you want to make a Lord of the Rings movie? I'd be like, that just seems like hell on earth, <laughs> Wait, you know, hell is, on middle earth. Is it, um, is it, I forget. Is it you who said to me like, uh, off mic or like in a DM that you just don't like those movies, the Lord of the Rings movies? I, I probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed the first, like, I, I don't know. I, or I at least convinced myself that I enjoyed the first one when I saw it, <laughs> convinced you yourself. know, okay. I, and then I, I watched the second one and I'm like, this is bad. And then I watched <laughs> the third one and I'm like, this is bad. And then I watched the first Hobbit movie and I was like, this is bad. Although I think like, what was it like the second or third Hobbit movie? I'm like, this isn't, you know, watchable. I mean, I've never bothered to watch it since. Mm, but Okay. Okay. You know what? I mean, I get it. I get it. It's fair. We can't all like everything, you know, yeah. I, even before the JK Rowling stuff, I mean, she's a shithead, but even before that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't call myself a huge Harry Potter fan or at all. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of those movies and yeah. I, can, I can say that now. You know, I really could. Yeah, I, of course, I can say that now. But, <laughs> but, but before, I was like hesitant about saying it to anybody because like it's it's a controversial take. Yeah. yeah, you're worried about. The, I mean, yeah, you say to people like, I don't like Lord of the Rings, and it's like, I and, don't know. But you know, uh, I, it's fine. I, been, it's fine. <laughs> I, I've been, I've, you know, I, I just listened to this like podcast, which was really good about like gene siskel and roger ebert and everything oh yeah. and and they they talk a lot about like you know oh you know you, you critics you know you need to be brave enough to say that you don't like something or say that you do like something when you know every everyone else is going against you and you know i mean that's just what you do that's your thing that's how you do it and 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 it's weird because I used to have absolutely zero problem with that. And then like once Twitter came about and film Twitter came about and I mean, <laughs> honestly, like interacting with, you know, uh, people like the people on talk film society and everything like that. And, you know, developing this hive mind, looking at the rotten tomato score before I see a movie and all this stuff, I really have a hard time like expressing my honest opinion now and, and and i and i feel really bad about that and i don't have that problem with like older movies which i firmly said like yes yes i like this movie even though everybody else hates it you know like uh, you know what if domino came out with film twitter <laughs> like uh honest answer i i i think the right people would eat it up and i would lo i would love that but the domino maybe for me not the best example but i know what you're saying cuz i uh -huh. i i or at least that's my hope that if domino came out people would be clamoring for it um cuz yeah. i think it was underappreciated when it came out um but i i know what you're saying and like i uh, i'll say it here i am hesitant about coming out and saying like i didn't think the batman was like that great as great as other people you know mentioned um yeah but w will i tweet that out in that way no <laughs> because i 
I guess just my perspective is I'd rather just uplift things I like rather than like just say I don't like things. That's just how I. But I. But I know what you're saying. Like it. It to it. It, it would be better if we were comfortable enough to like express these opinions and not have people like bemoan us or like ostracize us from the community <laughs> for saying but, one thing that you know we honestly believe so but it goes the other way too you know it's like you say you know i don't understand why people hate batman versus superman like and then people are like what <laughs> Well, How can you not understand that? Uh, What's wrong with you? I, I've, I, I've had this. I had this kind of same thing when I put Halloween Kills in my top ten list last year. I mean, uh-huh. I, I, I'm not popular enough where, like, if I had like ten thousand more followers, mm-hmm. there would be people after me with pitchforks. So I'm like yeah. a comfortable number. I'm like a seventeen thousand. Nobody really cares what I have to say. But even but even even after saying that, when I said Halloween Kills is one of my favorite movies of, of like last year, I still got some people saying I'm wrong. <laughs> it's like what is your yeah. problem? Not in like a mean way, but just like like not necessarily saying I don't trust your opinion, but like uh, I forget who said this. Somebody said this in, in Talk Film Society. Oh, uh, I think Thomas Mariani. Um, uh, this was for I saw the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and oh, yes. and I was asked stuff of legends. Yeah, I I saw it and I was like, this is actually really good. I gave it like three and a half stars out of five, and then Thomas Mariani, I get friend of the friend of the network. Abs- I mean, uh, his show's on the network now. Um, he said in the Discord, he said, I want to see movies the way Marcelo sees them, which <laughs> <was> just like <laughs> a nice way of saying what the fuck's wrong with you, man. <laughs> No, I mean that entire Discord went after you after you said that, you know, <laughs> and and it was like one of those things, and it's like wow, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm know, used to it now. It, I'm I'm used to it's, it's having like, it, and to me, it's not like I'm. It's not like I'm being like. It's not contrarian. What's the other? It's like reverse contrarian. It's like liking something that people don't like. I I, yeah. I I'm comfortable in that. In, in saying things like that because that's how I feel and and I, I I'd rather uplift something and say hey I know everybody hates Halloween Kills I know everybody hey, thinks it's a piece of shit but I love it and I can actually articulate why I love it I did it in my top ten you know write up uh, that I wrote a few weeks ago I'm I'm comfortable I'm I can come out and say Halloween Kills is a great movie now yeah. can I say Batman versus Superman is a bad movie no, <laughs> I I will not say that with as much passion as me loving Halloween Kills. I mean, that's the other thing with bad movies is I mean, I know there are people who love to like rip on things, and it's just like if a movie is bad, chances are I've forgotten about it before it's over with. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I and I honestly don't care now. Now, I mean, there's some things with like TV shows, and you know, like for example this season of discovery i have not been thrilled with mm. and i have very specific reasons why the main one being 
it should have ended after season three. Like it completed the story that it was telling at the end of season three. And season four is literally just like the same thing they did in season three all over again. And that frustrates me. And I'm going to talk about that. You know, I'm still watching the show and everything like that. But, you know, I do feel passionate about that thing. But, like, if I'm watching and I'm trying to think of a movie that I saw recently that I absolutely hated. But, you know, but but the, but the idea behind it is it's like, okay, I've moved on. Yeah. Like, I, I watched and I'm like, mm, that was probably not worth my time. I'm glad I saw it. Um, let's let's move on. I, I had know? that thought um, with the being the Ricardos when I saw that last year. Oh, I, I love that movie, and and that was another one where like, and it's kind of the opposite, right? Yeah. Where like you, you I feel like we're in the at least as far as film Twitter is concerned, you were in the majority. And then I was like, actually, Marcelo, I thought that being the Ricardos was very good. (laughs) And everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But that was one I didn't say, even though there were so many people who hated that movie, rightfully so, I I never went on Twitter after, after it and directly said, this movie's a piece of shit. I may have like done like a very vague tweet saying, wow, I just saw a movie that's basically a Wikipedia page read out loud, but I never said what the movie was. Um, and I actually, I, I went out with drinks with a friend who's like very film, like like, like I can talk film with. And like I unloaded all my frustrations because I didn't have anybody else to talk to <laughs> about how much yeah. I hated being the Ricardos. And I gave it all to her. I was like, listen, here's why I hated this movie. I've been, I've been holding this on for months now, seemingly. <laughs> And so here's why I hate this movie. So, uh, but again, it's uh, I'm I'm not into the dog pile. Uh, that's that's what film Twitter is nowadays. It's it's a dog yeah. pile. It's like the, these you get a charge like when something. It, it's nice when like the Batman comes out and like it's like universally praised. Like I like it. I don't think it's, it's as great as like other people think, but I still mm-hmm. am glad that there's so many people loving one thing. But then the reverse happens where everybody shits on one thing and it gets tiresome. And I don't want to jump on that bandwagon. Um, yeah. At least that's what I say now. I'm trying to think, like, if I did that recently, I don't think so. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, yeah. there there are movies out there. I mean, like Joker. I feel like, I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I um, I did say that that was a piece of crap. I wrote the review, so hey, I wrote the review. I'm pretty sure I wrote uh-huh. the review. Now I can't remember if I did or not. Again, like you said before, it's one of those where like I see it and I and I yeah. continue on with my life. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I see. I I need to look it up. I think I wrote the review and said something really terrible that I tweeted out um, that I kind of regret because again, that's going back to like dogpiling on a movie. Which well, I mean, yeah, and and there's two types. I mean, there's like movies which are like offensively bad, and then there's movies which are just not very well made, right? Right. Um, and, and I did write the review yeah. for Joker. Just to, if anybody wants to Google that review. Um, I think I said something to the effect of like this movie is made for people who have um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer on their wall or something something uh, obscene. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, anyway, yeah. none of this has anything to do with Steven Soderbergh because he doesn't make bad movies. No, Steven Soderbergh would have loved that tangent because it it completely derailed our segments and and now like we have to scramble back to talk about steven Soderbergh again um 
So that's superhero movies. He, yes. uh, I guess that, that it, uh, it boils. <laughs> Is that how this started? Yeah, exactly. That's how it started. It, it boils yeah. down to him just basically saying, they're not for me. So that's yeah. why he doesn't want to do one. He just mm-hmm. doesn't understand it. He, I, I, one, one funny thing he, he says, um, he says, the fantasy spectacle universe, as far as I can tell, typically doesn't involve a lot of fucking. And also things like, who's paying these people? Who do they work for? How does how does this job come to be? Talking about superheroes doing superhero stuff. Um, he also he also mentions physics, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. Which uh, I, get, I get that. I get that, especially from him. He's you know? he's a very grounded filmmaker, and yeah. he I think he said like he's made maybe was is it just one movie that's like sci-fi right in his entire filmography mm-hmm. that I know like, right Solaris that's yeah, it Solaris yeah. which you know is as realistic as can be you know yeah, yeah. Really? but that's that's not yeah. his bag that's not what he wants to do yeah. so, so what he wants to do going to the next item Magic Mike uh, 3 uh, yeah, Magic Mike's Last Dance Magic Mike's Last Dance so he is in case you didn't know he's, he's doing another one It's it, it was announced a few months ago and it's going to be based around the live show um, yes. that's that came out. I don't know when that came out uh, a few years ago now, mm-hmm. or and and they had. I was going to start watching HBO Max has that Magic Mike reality show competition show, um, yes. which I do need to see before watching Magic Mike Three uh, oh, yeah. because apparently after Soderbergh, after seeing the Magic Mike live show, he just realized, oh, like this is it. This is the movie. So the yeah. new one's going to be uh, based on Mike making the live show, which is like very meta, uh, of course, because yes. it's Soderbergh. Um, and Tatum is back, and um, uh, I forget who who's like the co-writer. Um, Reed Carolyn. Yeah, Reed. Reed yeah, Reed Carolyn. Um, they're coming back. Uh, but yeah, I, hey. Mike, any comments? Because like I was thrilled when they announced it because because I I love Magic Mike one and two. Um, I, I, it's safe to say you do too, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 I do too. I know you were fortunate enough to see the uh, the re release that that happened on Galentine's Day, which yeah. is also Super Bowl Sunday. I missed out as much as I tried, but just just to tell the quick story, yeah, I saw it Super Bowl Sunday. Um, which has kind of been a tradition over the years. Like I was one of like two people who saw Serenity, the oh. Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway movie on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and I had a weird conversation with like the other guy who was in the theater after the movie. <laughs> um, but I was lucky this time this year to be by myself in a theater <laughs> alone watching Magic Mike on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, yeah. it's, it's my pin tweet. That's how, that's how proud I am of like that achievement. Um, yeah. and, and like the, the, the bonus footage that they showed before the movie was just like one of the DVD bonus features. So uh-huh. nothing special. I was like jokingly saying like, like maybe Silverberg has like a some footage of like them making the new one. It's like, no, of course not. It, I'm sure it's like still in pre-production. There's yeah. no way. Um, but yeah, I, I hey, I'm excited. Um, for that movie and i don't know i'm i'm assuming he's gonna that's gonna be his next movie and it'll probably be out next year that's my guess it would seem to make sense um wait there's one other one which he's 
working on, which may sneak in there ahead of time. Uh, I've um, got I've got two more items. Maybe maybe one of these is what you're talking about. He's making a six episode miniseries, uh, Full oh yeah, Circle, uh, with Ed Solomon. Yes. Um, and that's I don't know when he's making that. He might make that first, and then Magic Mike. Um, who knows? But that's exciting. Another. Uh, mini series, limited series, whatever you want to call it, um, from the writer of uh, Mosaic and the Sudden Move. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, and then there's also um, Planet Kill. Oh, I, I do not have info on that. So. Yeah, I forget what that was about. Um, but yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like he was super excited about Magic Mike, so he'll probably push that up to the to the top and i'm sure that's what you know hbo max wants to see first too exactly right? I yeah mean, i mean I, so. I, the great thing about magic mike it's like it's like i i keep forgetting that the second one wasn't like a big success in my head it was i i remember loving that when it came out as it happens yeah. like with me watching soderberg movies like this is amazing i'm sure everybody loves mm-hmm. this and nobody goes out to see it um mm-hmm. But it's gotten so much. I'm, I'm sure thanks to like the movies being on streaming. I'm sure they're on HBO Max and like the rally TV show. Like HBO saw the numbers. It's like, yeah, we gotta make this. Like Stephen, do it. Um, yeah, I mean Channing Tatum comes up to you and says, "I want to make a movie with you," and then you say, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's how it goes these days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so there's that. I know he's also talked. Well, he's also talked about sex lies and videotape. I've too. got, I've got. That's my last item here. Oh, uh, okay. they asked him, you know, in this interview uh, about the sequel to Sex Lies and Videotape. He goes, "I want to do it." Um, yada yada yada. There's a matter. It's a matter of timing. Uh, I hope to get to. I hope to. I hope to get back to that and revisit two of those characters. Which I think we've known before that he's focusing on two of the characters, um, yeah. but he's still interested in making it, which is good. He'll make it eventually. Yeah, and then there's High Flying Bird too, which oh yeah, these days is super relevant if you're a baseball fan. Uh, so oh yeah, yeah, because that's basically what's going on in the world of baseball at this very moment. So. Strike, right? Or something's happening. That strike. There's oh, yeah, disagreements. Lockout. lockout. That's lockout. what it is. Yeah. yeah. I so. don't know exactly what's going on, but I kind of know what's going on. So <laughs> can yeah. I can I just rewatch yeah. High Flying Bird and just? <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely need to rewatch High Flying Bird just to kind of understand. But I mean, it is really interesting because, especially, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, and obviously there's two sides to everything, but a lot of it has been like the owners have been acting in bad faith and you know they have not been you know trying to to do this the the fact that they locked out the players that's something that they didn't need to do you know all this stuff and the players are basically like look you guys have billions and billions of dollars and you know what we're trying to protect future generations so so let's get this deal made uh i am proposing just having uh, uh, side games like at uh, high school ba- uh, baseball fields, and just yep. record that, post it on YouTube, get the hits, yep. and get the get the owners um, like like saying what what's happening? How many views? Yeah. 
High Flying Bird. Watch it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. I, I love that movie. It was like, in, again, I, I think I liked it more than you, Mike. It was like high up on my top ten list that year. And I've rewatched mm-hmm. it semi-recently. And it, it, it still holds up. It's still amazing. I'm I'm excited for whatever part two, you know, whoever, because I don't, I don't think Soderbergh said he's going to direct it, but. Yeah, he said maybe someone else. Maybe yeah. someone else. Yeah. And, and also, like, um, I can't remember when this happened, like the a, a possible new season of The Nick might happen, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. But that's going to be by uh, Barry Jenkins. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Which is cool, yeah. yeah. Not not what Soderbergh had originally intended, but that's fine. Yeah, for those who don't know, he be. wanted to shoot it anamorphic, black and white, um, yes. which would have been something. But Cinemax said no, thank you. And mm-hmm. um, but now, hey, who who got the last laugh? Cinemax is owned by Warner Brothers, and now Warner Brothers is like paying Soderbergh just to make whatever he wants, basically. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. So that's all I got. That's the Soder news. Um, catching everybody up on upcoming Soderbergh projects. Other than that, yeah, not much going on. Um, he hasn't said anything controversial since <laughs> early February. So <laughs> controversial in quotes. Um, let's yeah, talk, I was going to say that. Yeah. That, that, that's the most controversial thing he says. You know, that's that's pretty good. And let's not talk as about far as Phil Baker's are concerned. Yeah. Let's not talk about the Oscars at all yeah. again. Cause we've done that already. Okay. Let's not bring that up back, back up again. That's fair uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So that leads us to Kimmy. Yes. Yes. The new movie by Steven Soderbergh written by David Kep, who uh, wrote the lost world, Jurassic park. <laughs> Jurassic That's, Park. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy with that uh, uh, listing. So yes, yeah. He's also he appears in the Lost World Jurassic Park as the unlucky bastard. Oh. He's the one guy who gets eaten by the T Rex. Oh, the T-Rex okay, is, yeah. Gotcha. Um, he's he's also he he did Snake Eyes, the yeah. good one. You're, didn't he win an Oscar for something? I, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, or maybe not. I, n- I don't know about that, but he wrote Mission Impossible. <laughs> okay, he should have won an Oscar for that. Uh, yeah, no. he should have, yeah. I mean, I, I know him as the writer of um, Panic Room. Ah, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes one yes. of my favorites and a, a topic of conversation as we talk about Kimmy. Um, okay, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Uh, He's good. I, he, I, I think he's good. I think when when he's like with the right director, I think he's amazing. Uh, but then when he writes and directs his own thing, not so great. Because didn't he write and direct? Was it Secret Window? Uh, I'm not sure. He did Stir of Echoes, um, which was okay. Oh, he did he did Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't um, seen it. So I can confirm you know. that David Kep wrote and directed Secret Window. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, which, which is squirrel, right? A terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. But Premium Rush. I I need good. to see that. I I need to see Premium Rush. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Again, yeah. another like sort of as far as I know, a self-contained sort of movie uh, thriller. Yeah. I think um, it might take place in real time. I'm not positive on that, yeah. but yeah, this is good. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'll say, like, out of all the ones we've said, Panic Room is my favorite of the bunch. Even I put... I didn't even say Panic Room. That's how much you liked it. 
<laughs> I, I really emphasize Panic Room here. Um, I, I, I almost said I'd put that above Jurassic Park, but I wouldn't be that crazy. Maybe third behind the two Jurassic Park movies and then, you know, Panic Room. But um, we can get into it. Should we do the synopsis? I can read the synopsis of Kimmy and we can jump into sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Do it. So there you go. I'm, I'm prepared this time. Sometimes I'm not okay. prepared, but now I'm prepared. Um, right. Kimmy. During the COVID-19 pandemic in Seattle, an agoraphobic tech worker discovers evidence of a violent crime while reviewing a data stream and is met with resistance and bureaucracy when she tries reporting it to her company. And then things escalate from there. Ooh. And Zoe Kravitz yes. plays the, the, the tech worker who discovers yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. And some other uh, interesting casting choices uh i mean like just things that i i don't know like like erica christensen right yeah who who of course you know basically got her big break from soderbergh with traffic you know and it's like wait wait how does she playing an adult that's not and then i'm like oh i'm the same age as her so i guess that makes sense (laughs) what a brutal revelation i was like oh age and time um i the worst I, I I did see this the, the the weekend it came out and I rewatched it today and I didn't know that was her until I read through the cast list preparing for this I go oh that's Erica Christensen I I didn't yeah. recognize her at first but it's like yeah that's her and I, mm-hmm. it goes to show like I I uh, I know Soderbergh is a great director not only like with his work but like behind the scenes because people want to keep working with him like yeah they, he works with like a lot of the same actors. And I think he's he, uh, one thing I like is like how he casts comedians in like dramas. Because speaking uh-huh. of casting, um, David Wayne right plays a doctor in this right, uh-huh. <laughs> and also Andy Daly plays like uh, uh, the boss of Zoe Kravitz's Krav- so character. And like Andy Daly is kind of funny, like in in his like you know one scene. But David Wayne's not funny at all. <laughs> but that, that, but that goes back to like the informant, where he casts nothing but but like comedians in like these dramatic roles, and I, I just think he gets a kick out of that, and I, I I like the guy for doing that. Yeah, it's cool, you know, and and uh, um, it, it's also got um, Rita Wilson in it in a an interesting role, and uh, I, it's weird because it's almost. That's almost like I mean. Well, I guess, I guess the boss is pretty funny. But I was gonna say like Rita Wilson, like the way that she plays it, it's like so over the top crazy that it comes across as kind of humorous. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's like sinister in a very corporate way, which is is unsettling. But yeah, it's 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 some of it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a good good cast as per usual yeah. in a Soderbergh movie. But hey, uh, Zoe Kravitz is, is mostly by herself through a lot of this. Like she she sort of she tro- sort of carries the show, and I think she does a great job. Um, I'll say that up front. I think she's great. I um, I I I can't think of a role that I've seen her in that I didn't like her in. So this is another one. It's like yes, she's fantastic, and then seeing her in the Batman. You know, a month later, I was like, "Yes, of, please continue being fantastic, Zoe Kravitz." Um, yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, she really kind of has to carry this movie herself, and and she does a great job of doing it. Um, I mean, really kind of interesting seeing the two roles back-to-back, even though the characters in some ways are are similar. I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, Kimmy is a Catwoman origin story and and that sort of (laughs) thing. yeah, yeah. But, but like, her performance, you know, is so different in both movies. You know, she's really got, like, a, a certain... Um, set of like mannerisms and everything and, and, and her, um, you know, delivery and stuff like that. It's like so matter of fact and everything. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. I mean, she definitely kills in this movie. No, she does. Well, literally she does. (laughs) Oh, by the way, spoilers (laughs) in this episode. Um, I, I, okay. This will jump into what I love about the movie in like the first half of it. Um, I was gonna say the first hour, but it's like really like the first like 30, 45 minutes. Um, I, I, rewatching it today, like there's like this tiredness in her performance, especially after she hears like this this audio of like this this woman getting murdered, um, and like it's it's so connects with me because in the last six months I just started a work from home job, which is the first I've ever done. Um, during the pandemic, I was working outside my home in a building, which terrified me. I was lucky to get this work from home job, um, for now. Um, and her performance in like, um, doing her job and like interacting with like screens and video calls, like her performance, Soderbergh's direction, uh, everything about it nailed like that experience of working from home and also i mean maybe i don't know if you agree with this mike but like also the sort of like editing audio i mean process of like it, that fascinated me like her putting on the headphones the sound you know uh cutting out in the movie and then you're you're hearing what she's hearing all of that the the intricacies of like listening to an audio track it's like i think that's Perfect. And like, I think that all comes from Soderbergh doing all that himself <laughs> as an editor mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, as you know, I don't think he does like the, the, the audio, but like still, it, it, like if, if like another director were to do something similar to this in another movie, it wouldn't be, I think as accurate, I guess is, is a way of saying it, or just as like relatable or as like realistic. So uh, that is what I love about this first half is like, it captures that aspect of, um, working from home, you know, audio listening, audio editing, like perfectly. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it, you know, I, I watched it, you know, when it first uh, came out, and you know, I, I was like, oh, that's a really good movie. And then I watched it again uh, yesterday, and I was just like, God, every single detail, every single element in this movie is absolutely pitch perfect you know i mean like the idea of setting it during covid it's like why not you're shooting it during covid yeah it totally you know lends itself to this story why not do that but then also like in doing that it's kind of like perfectly capturing what covid life is like i mean like even like you know 
I mean, the, like the production issues, which everyone deals with, like, h- how do you get a- around people wearing masks or not wearing masks or whatever? And it's like, well, it's just is the way it is. Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't. Some people yeah. have KN95s. It's like, okay, Zoe Kravitz's character is extremely paranoid about stuff, right? But her paranoia isn't necessarily like logical. Like, oh, she she's gonna she's gonna put on a cloth mask instead of a KN95. <laughs> she's gonna pull the mask down when she's talking to Rita Wilson. Yeah, like uh, all of this stuff where it's just like, <laughs> like pre-COVID, it, you would watch this movie and be like, her actions don't make any sense. <laughs> but like post-COVID, you're like. Oh, that's exactly how people act. You know, yeah, it, people don't make any sense. Yeah, that's that's a great point because like it's not necessarily a lockdown movie. It's like a like now like twenty twenty two movie where yeah. like uh, I mean like the the uh, her quote unquote love interest. You know, he goes to work at you know at a, at a law firm or whatever. He goes out like people are outside and. I can see it being now because like it's still this like like hazy thing of like who's gonna wear a mask, who's not gonna wear a mask, like or we're gonna wear it all the time now. No, we don't have to. It's been weird for me the last week where I've been I've been in, in situations where I'm not wearing a mask at all out in public, you know, outside. I'm like, what? I this is this, I'm still getting used to this. Just yeah, it, yeah, and yeah, I think it captures that, you know, perfectly because it's it's it. it, it it would have been different if, like, this was uh, if it specifically said it took place during the initial lockdown, or like if it said, um, or if this was released, like, you know, closer to the lockdown. Yeah, but now it just feels more like it's not weighed down entirely by the COVID pandemic, although it is still like there. It's like still it's still like on our minds and on their minds, and uh, as the you know characters in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works so well, you know, just the, the sort of like chaos of it all and, and even just sort of like capturing everything like, you know, the uh, kind of like social, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know, outcry, you know, that that's going on like with protests and stuff yeah. like that, even though they're not protesting the same things that, that, that were, were going on in the real world or whatever, just that idea of like you know, people being fed up with everything, you, you know, yeah. and just saying like, we're not going to take this anymore. I mean, just, just that whole thing, having it all play into, you know, corporate stuff and everything. And, and uh, I mean, it just, it just works exceptionally well. It does. And it doesn't feel yeah. shoehorned in, especially no. like, uh, like, let's talk about like the protest, like uh sequence and like how, cause I, it, from what I remember, I did just watch this just recently, but I, I also say I watched a movie before sitting down talking with you, Mike, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But I seem to remember like they kind of um, mention it like in a newscast or something or somebody makes yeah. a reference to the protest. And then there's a scene outside with the protesters. They're protesting like uh, the, the government or the city is like uh, uh, sweeping away uh, like unhoused people or something they're, they're they're pushing them out of the community um and zoe kravitz character finds her way like in that protest that she's being chased by these assassins <laughs> and mm-hmm. i i think it works beautifully that 
it kind of collides and she gets rescued because there's that protest because like these like thugs drag her into the van and they're gonna go and uh, take her away to kill her but like they save her life because like they're there and like they see these this thing happening which is like very reminiscent of, like what we saw when these like, protests were happening like or or at least that uneasy feeling of like people being taken away in vans is something that I rem- I I, I, f- I felt like unsettled by the fact by that notion because I knew that was happening like when these protests were happening in 2020. So it wasn't shoehorned in and it worked well on the plot and again it works well in like this 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 real life sort of uh, basically capturing the madness of what we're living in now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it's not like they, they dwell on it. It's not like they make it like a huge subplot or anything. It's just like an added texture, which, yeah. you know, serves a, a, a purpose in the story, but also, you know, in a very subtle way, offers some social commentary and everything like that. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even just like, you know, the technical aspects and everything, like you're saying, the sound, you know, the photography, I mean, the production design, you know, and I mean, even, even God, the music. Oh, the, <laughs> I, I uh, the, the music is like the, the one aspect that I, I, I hate that I saw this at home, although I love mm-hmm. the movie, but it's one of those movies where I want to walk out of the theater and like have like the soundtrack playing behind me as I walk out and like the, 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 um, the soundtrack by Cliff Martinez yeah. is, uh, I'm in love with it. Cause it, it, it adds these layers of like, um, you know, Hitchcock movies, thrillers. And it, he, he, as far as I know, or like from what I remember hearing in his other movies that he scored, this feels different because i was like i was like who like who did this score since doesn't sound you know like you know soderbergh's regular collaborators and then it wasn't until the end that i saw oh cliff or yeah, i saw the credits oh cliff martinez of course <laughs> but he's going with for some for something that i haven't heard him do before which i i, I don't know i don't know if you agree with i don't know if you so, if you thought this was like a distinct cliff martinez score but for me it felt he was trying something new yeah, I mean, it, it to me, it felt like Soderbergh went to Martinez and was like, I want you to do Bernard Herman. You know, I yeah. want this to sound like a Hitchcock movie. But at the same time, I mean, while it does that and there's all these strings and everything, there is still this like element to it, which does feel very much like contagion or something like that. Yeah, you know? I, um, I, I had that thought through some of it. It's like, oh, it, it yeah. might be. Martinez, but then like the strings sort of like threw me off the track, off the trail. It's like, oh, this can't be. Something else is going on here. But yeah, I love yeah. that. It, at points, it did sound super familiar. Uh, yeah. I mean, because like what Martinez has scored so many Soderbergh movies, like him and I, mean, um, I think I think going back to, I mean, did he do Sex Lies and Videotape? I maybe because like it's either him or um, uh, who's the who's the Ocean's Eleven composer? Uh, David Holmes. Uh, David Holmes. Yeah, uh, he definitely he didn't. Yeah, 
Yeah, he did do Sex, Lies, and Videotape. So yeah. they've been working together. I mean, obviously not on every movie, but they have been working together since the beginning of their careers. Yeah, and, so. and for me, it's either a Cliff Martinez score or like a David Holmes score that like yeah. I, I I would guess Soderbergh goes to. Um, well, Thomas Newman too. Thomas yeah. Newman, yeah. yeah, yeah, he he does some stuff in there. Um, yeah, I mean it's super good, and and not to mention even though there's only like four of them, but like the needle drops in this movie are like <laughs> oh. I'm like I literally have every single one of these songs like on my you know phone like it's I, so perfect Mike let me ask you how did you feel we're jumping t- to the end because I want to know your, uh-huh. your your thought on this you might already know how did you feel when Sabotage played <laughs> I mean, I thought it was the perfect choice because, <laughs> I mean, if you want something loud and just like completely jarring, I mean, that's one of the first songs that comes to mind, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got that that opening, you know, like, dr- you know, drum, hit, whatever you want to call it, you know, concussive blast. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. I mean, I, I, I wonder if... Um do you think Soderbergh ever watched the, you know, the the, the new Star Trek films? Do you think he did? Um, Maybe we should go back to the Soder blog and see and see if he he logged them. Um, I, I have I have paid attention to that. You know, I always look. I'm like, which Star Wars movies has he watched this year, and which Star Trek, you know, whatever has he watched? And I I'm pretty sure he hasn't seen Beyond. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was doing this back when Into Darkness came out, but like the only star trek thing i think that he's watched since he's been doing this was star trek the motion picture um (laughs) i forget exactly when in some ways that makes perfect sense in some ways it makes absolutely no sense at all but yeah yeah i i mentioned it because like i wonder if uh if that influenced him in any way you know because like i i know sabotage is like played and beyond in like a fantastic drop um yeah which originally was going to be like for, was it Fortunate Son by Credence Clearwater? Really? Revival? That was going to be... Yeah, Fortunate or Son. Whatever. Some, yeah. yeah. Um, that would not have worked that sounds at all. Right. No, no. <laughs> I can't... No. That... Uh, you, you just ruined my day saying that. Like, <laughs> Think that that could have happened? No, no. Well, luckily they saw the error in their ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, we got to talk about... Or I got to... I have to talk about this. Uh, panic Room. Um, I... One thing that thrilled me... Uh, last year, when I think Soderbergh was like interviewed about whatever, and he mentioned Kimmy, he said, "Oh, by the way, it's like Panic Room's gonna be an influence, you know, in making Kimmy." And I love Panic Room. Uh, we're approaching the 20th anniversary of Panic Room. Um, uh, 20 years, Mike, of Panic Room. Yeah, I showed that. I showed that movie when it came out, so uh, that's cool. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to whenever they're going to release that in 4k, which is like a rumor. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, mm. but looking at the Soderbergh, uh, log of the films he saw in 2021, um, he did watch panic room twice right before shooting mm. Kimmy. Um, so of course it was an influence. I mean, the writer of panic room wrote, uh, Kimmy. So of, of course, like he, he, if it was going to be influenced, you know, in, in the making of it, he had he, he asked to watch it, so he did. He also watched um, uh, Repulsion, uh, which is like another like. Uh, have, have you seen Repulsion, Mike? No, I haven't seen that one. It's very yeah. good. I, I mean, forget the fact that that 
director directed it but it's a good yeah. movie um okay. it's, uh, he also watched rosemary's baby same director mm. same mm. sort of like uh, 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 you know apartment thriller is is i forget because like uh, polanski's movies um repulsion rosemary's baby and something else it's like the apartment trilogy where like mm. thrillers that take place in like you know one location um so of course he saw that and the conversation he watched that before shooting Kimmy. Yes. And that's the movie I just saw tonight. And I pleaded with Mike, please, let's push back this recording two hours so he can go see the conversation before uh, I, I lose my chance and and, and, and and not able to see it on big screen. Um, and I'm glad I did because I can tell for sure this Kimmy definitely has that influence of the conversation in it. Uh, I think more, more so than like Panic Room or anything else. Um, and if anybody wants to do this, I would totally recommend this. And also, if you're this far and you haven't seen Kimmy yet, I don't know what you're doing. But if you want to watch it for the first time, if you want to rewatch it uh, with another movie, I recommend The Conversation. That's my double feature recommendation. Watch The Conversation, then watch Kimmy. Because the the fact that, you know, The Conversation says so much about surveillance, you know, conspiracy theories, uh, um, this 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 paranoia, like all of that, you know, was captured in like the late seventies in that perfect film. A lot of that is still relevant, or is still playing out in Kimmy, where it's about surveillance, it's about now technology, and like you don't know who to trust because it's gotten worse. Yeah, <laughs> the surveillance state. Um, but yeah, it, it and. I want to talk about the technology in this real quick. I, I found it fascinating reading. I think it's in the same Daily Beast interview. They asked, they asked Soderbergh about technology and he goes, I think technology is agnostic. It's like, it, it, it depends on who uses it, whether it's used for good or evil. And I totally see that in this movie. Um, as evil as we, we want to like say these devices are, because Kimmy is like an Alexa or a Siri. I was waiting to see if it turned on. Um, you know, I find it interesting that at the very end, like uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz's character uses Kimmy to her advantage, and yeah. and, and and Kimmy helps <laughs> her kill these people. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which is so awesome. It's yeah. so perfect. You know, <laughs> it's so great. But yeah, oh, that that's my long rant about the influences and like what I found fascinating about the surveillance culture and like technology. So that's all I have to say about that. Mike, I know if you want to add anything else to that, but that's, I, I'm glad I saw the, the, the conversation before watching this. I mean, before talking to you about this, um, because wow, it's, it, it makes me like Kimmy a lot more now thinking about it. Yeah, it definitely seems like a huge influence. I, I missed the conversation when it came through town here, unfortunately, um, did did you see the print or did you see the 4K? It was just the DCP, the the okay. the 4K uh, master. Prob- I believe pro- it's probably better because you know, like, and people are like, "Oh, the conversation is so great, 35 millimeter, it looks great, but the sound is what's most important." And boy, does it sound amazing! And I'm like, guys, I hate to break it to you, but 35 millimeter sound is terrible. You can debate how good the picture is and whatever and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is it's not, it's, it's a, it's a question of math and digital sound DCP sound is better. It's because it's perfect. So I have a feeling that the DCP was probably the better 
presentation. So I will say I was I was blown away by by the by the, by the presentation and the sound. Well, that's All, good. Yeah, so that's it good. was it was worth seeing on the big screen. So if, yeah. if anybody is able to watch on the big screen, I don't know how much longer it's going to you know do its run, but uh, go see. It. I'm sure it'll be on maybe a 4k you know, disc oh, yeah. soon enough. So yeah. Yeah. Sooner yeah. than Kimmy, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know that, that ending really does work for me really, really well. I, you know, and I mean, it's, 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 it really is that kind of like stand up and cheer moment, you know, but you don't really get in most Soderbergh movies at all. No, but I think the last time he went for, well, actually it's the exact same ending in a way um, where it's like, you know, the protagonist comes out on top, you know, and well, okay, not it's not a one to one, but it's close. Unsane, um, mm. and and also I say it's almost close because it, it uses the same uh, um, like freeze frame <laughs> sort of <laughs> yes. a, a device. Both movies do Kimmy and Unsane, um, but that felt also kind of like oh, the protagonist is like getting hers and killing the bad guy. Um, although the end of Unsane is like you know she's still paranoid, but then the, at the end of this. Uh, Zoe Kravitz's character has a happier ending. You know, there's no yeah. doubt. Like she's, I think she's smiling in that freeze frame at the very end. So, yeah, the, the freeze frame. I mean, it, the freeze frame at the end of Unsane is almost like a done for like a, a horror effect. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Whereas this one, I mean, what it is very similar to is the freeze frame at the end of Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, <laughs> that's. <laughs> He just loves freezing frames on, you know, his his leading ladies to end movies. So And it's such him. it's such a like who else does that and, and can pull it off? Or who who has done nobody, that? Nobody. Nobody nobody else can yeah. pull it off, you know. But I, yeah. I was like jumping out of my seat when that happened during mm-hmm. Unsane at the end. I was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> he did yeah. that? <laughs> Uh, it was amazing. Uh, it works so well every single time. I mean, Ocean's Twelve, like that's one of my favorite. And here, it's perfect. Yeah, it's just perfect. It, it, yeah. it, I can't come up with a word. It's it's not corny. It's like maybe it's like uh, uh, he's playing. He's he's being playful when he does. It. I think I've said that before in this podcast series. He's a very yeah. he's he's a playful person. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like like Ocean's Twelve. It's like cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Unsane, I feel like it's almost a joke, right? Yeah, it's almost a joke, yeah. He's playing off of, like, genre conventions, and he's, you know, it's it's with a wink and a nod or whatever. Here is probably the closest it is to being corny, maybe partially because of also, like, the, the, the music which is used, which is also great. I mean... God, I, I have. I'll send it to you. I put together a play. I, this is what I did while you were watching the conversation. <laughs> I, I went through the movie and I went through the soundtrack and I put all of the music 
in order from the score, but also I stuck in all of the source music into it for a complete oh, wow. Kimmy soundtrack. I will send you the playlist uh, I, after this is over. I will, I will listen to it right after we're done recording. <laughs> I, 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 it's I'm amazing. Excited. It, you know, I mean, like when I saw the movie for the first time, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I really do like this a lot. But watching it this time, I'm like, this is, you know, a near perfect movie. It's one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. Like, I mean, I guess since licorice pizza and, um, (laughs) two months. (laughs) Yeah. Two months, but still, you know, I mean, that's, that's impressive. And I personally think that it's probably Soderbergh's best movie since Haywire. That, okay. Um, that is, that's a, that's a take. That's a very Mike take. <laughs> I mean, Haywire has kind of lost its luster in recent years for yeah, various no. reasons. I mean, uh, uh, but you know, uh, that actress, not a good person. Yeah. Um, okay. But going to your point about you saying that the movie that came out in 2011, Haywire, yeah. uh, this is his best movie since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for those who want to go back and listen to like the last, like, five episodes from like um uh when did the run start i think unsane high flying bird let them all talk not the laundromat um but like those three no sudden move so those four would you put um uh the what was the oceans 11 uh remake thingy Wait, Ocean Ocean Seven Eleven? No, uh, Ocean Seven Eleven. What is it called? Oh, uh, Logan Lucky. Uh, yeah, Logan Lucky. Yes, yes. Um, I like that, that was movie. his first one where he came. Yeah, back. that's the first one he came back. Um, I'm I'm doing this off the cuff, so yeah. It, it so from Logan Lucky to now, here's where I'd put him. I think I'd put high, I'd put Unsane number one, then High Flying Bird, Let Them All Talk. Uh, no sudden move, and then Logan Lucky, and then Kimmy would be number six in that ranking. Wow. But wow. I love them all. I think, mm-hmm. like, I, but like in varying degrees. If I yeah. re- if I want to rank them, like Kimmy is down there. But still, it's like it's still it's it's, it's gonna probably end up on my top ten again. It's like it <laughs> for 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 the last like five years. Like it, like it, there's been at least one Soderbergh movie that's been in my top ten. So that's yeah. saying a lot. Because he is my favorite filmmaker. He has yeah. not missed in a very long time. I cannot think of the last quote-unquote bad thing he's done. I, I, I cannot think of it. So I know you say the good German, right? But, yeah, uh, but that was so long ago. <laughs> that's, it's that was like, a good movie. So I, I, mean, uh, I don't know that he's made a bad movie, to be honest. I mean, maybe, maybe Kafka, but... Maybe, yeah. but but then he'd even say, you know, that's that's a bad movie, yeah. the the original cut. I, yeah. I I'm interested. I I I was doing some quasi research um, for something else, uh, and the underneath uh, came up uh, as yeah. a topic, and I almost rewatched that. I, I should rewatch that soon, but it's fascinating. We we talked about this on the um, uh, uh, underneath episode, I'm sure, but. It's fascinating when like Soderbergh talks about his like failures, and that on on the Criterion disc of the of uh, King of the Hill, like the underneath has a bonus feature, and there's a twenty yeah. minute featurette where he just says what went wrong, <laughs> and it's it's oh oh, oh here, okay I I know a reason why I brought that up 
uh, a good reason. But I, I watched that segment. I watched that featurette recently. And again, it's interesting to hear him talk about his failures. And then he brings up something that like is still so relevant like today. And this connects with like his output with HBO Max. It's like um, he talks about how the underneath failed and he doesn't blame the audience for it failing. Um, but then he goes, well, he blames the audience now for failures <laughs> because he's a better director. And this was 2011, 2000, no, 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 2013. It was around the time, I think it was like right when he was retiring. Um, yeah. Okay. Cause it makes sense. Cause I'm about to say this. Uh, he basically said, it's like, yeah, the, the, the adults going out to go see movies, they're not going to, they're not there anymore for adult themed you know, adult oriented films. Like they're not there anymore. So he says he's going to go to where they are. And then he said, uh, where I think they're going or what's, what's, what's going to interest me now is making the, you know, 10 hour television series I'm working on, which was the Nick. Yeah. Um, and I find that fascinating. They said that, and that's where he is now where I think in that same daily beast interview that I mentioned earlier, like he says, that's where the audience that's where his audience is now it's like watching streaming movies on hbo max um yeah. back then it, he's always ahead of the curve he 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 knows where things are going um because i mean i i think i think you can agree with this it's like if kimmy were out in theaters probably wouldn't have been a hit um yeah yeah but but now that it's on streaming um, i don't think at the time that they did the interview, I don't think it had come out yet, but even he was kind of cagey about numbers. It's like, well, I don't know how well the HBO Max movies are doing, but they still want me to do more. <laughs> so at least yeah. there's that. Um, so that was interesting hearing him talk about that, what, like almost 10 years ago? And we're kind of having the same conversations, like a conversation now. It's like, who is going out to see, you know, adult oriented movies and, you know, what, what are audiences going out to see instead? Yeah, I mean that that is something. I mean it's something which you know we we debate at work on a, a daily basis. You know, you know because it's like we. I mean we get people all the time. You know, seniors and stuff saying like, "How come you're not playing any movies for adults?" You know, and it's like we would love to play Kimmy. You know, yeah. we would absolutely love to play Kimmy. Um, but you know, these, the, the, they're, they're just not being made at least not for, for theaters, which is too bad. You know, I mean, I don't know. I hear the outfit is really, really good, you know, and, and, and hopefully people will go to see that, like that sort of thing. But I mean, they are few and far between yeah. and it is disappointing because I, you know, I, I would like, I remember going to see things like before I was an adult, you know, <laughs> Like, I remember as a teenager in high school going to see things like, you know, whatever it was, um, you know, Afterglow or Donnie Darko or Quiz Show. I mean, not Donnie Darko. Uh, why did I say Donnie Darko? Um, Donnie Brasco. <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Or Quiz Show. <laughs> same um, you, you know, it's a, yeah, same deal. Um, but, you know, like all these, these like adult oriented movies i mean snake eyes you know from yeah. david cap like we were talking about and it's just like they're not there anymore and it no. is disappointing it's disappointing but i i do feel like people would 
come given the option. I I, I don't know. I re- I really do think that I you know and 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 maybe we're just talking as city folk here, mm-hmm. but, but like I can speak for myself and as an Austinite and like I saw like Cyrano, which is like I guess you could say like kind of adult orient like adult themed yeah. movie, sure. And it was like in the smallest theater. There were maybe okay. ten people, and all the other screens were basically filled up with like the Batman yeah. um, which I, 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 I'm glad I saw Cyrano in a the theater uh, it was a nice experience but it's too bad that that can't play you know in, in on bigger screens or on more screens so yeah but then look at Death on the Nile you know yeah look at it <laughs> I did <laughs> wait was was, was was that a success did people got to see that I mean it was it was a reasonable success. okay okay that's that's good at least I mean I saw that like on a on a date that weekend and had a nice time the theater was packed it, it, it does happen every once in a while where like House of Gucci comes out and like, I can speak yeah. again speaking for myself seeing it opening weekend in a packed theater that was a nice experience yeah and I'm happy for moments like that but they don't happen as much as they as I want them to. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. Ah, what a downer. Oh, yeah. What can you do? <laughs> we can, can watch Kimmy do? again on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think we've reached the end. Unless there's anything else we want to talk about. No, I th- I think that that that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, yeah that's it for me yeah. too. Yeah. You you you've said your piece. The you think this is his best since Haywire. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is another great movie of his that I don't think... His best since No Sudden Move? (laughs) I love No Sudden... I I will say No Sudden Move is is amazing. Um, And uh, there's there's plenty... Folks listening, if you're not caught up with, like, the the Soderbergh movies, like, go see see High Flying Bird on Netflix. Uh, Watch The Laundromat. Don't expect too much about The Laundromat, you know, with The Laundromat. But go see No Sudden Move, because I feel like that did not... Okay, one last thing I'll say. I heard a lot of people, or a handful of people, too many for my, you know, uh, too many for me, saying, oh, this was, Kimmy was his best work in years, or like it's his best since like he, re- he came back from retirement. And I'm like, guys, where have you been? Have you been listening to Soderbergh 2828? Obviously not. Well, I mean, I would agree with that statement. Okay. But- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, No Sudden Move is like was right there last year, and I think that's a great movie, and did not get the respect it deserved last year. So that's my take. Um, but I'm glad people loved Kimmy. That's great to hear. But st- I've, again, I'll say, No Sudden Move is right there. Watch it on HBO Max. All right. That. <laughs> that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. All right. Cool. All right. Well, Marcelo, uh, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me over at TalkFilmSociety.com. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TalkFilmSociety. In the next few days, weeks, uh, there'll be a lot of South by Southwest content uh, up on the website. Uh, I'll be reviewing some films. I'm sure I'll be doing a podcast, at least one, covering South by Southwest 2022. Um, It's happening. It's the first Film festival. I just, I'm just realizing it now. It's the first film festival I've been to since lockdown in 2020. So that's wild. In person film festival. Um, so that's going to be a trip. Uh, but yeah, catch all that at talkfilmsociety.com. Uh, what about you, Mike? 
Uh, well, yeah, I'm starting to dip my toe back into podcasting, kind of um, was out of the game for a while, um, but probably end up over on filmdamagepod.com doing some shows talking about Star Trek Picard season two and the time travel in it and all that good stuff. Um, hopefully I'll also uh, get back in the groove at uh, the nerd party Dot com doing a, a show called Training Montage where we talk about sports movies. Um, but you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And yep. yeah. Steven Soderbergh, we don't know exactly what his next movie is going to be. Um, or, okay, uh, well, let's let, let's take like a guess. Like what, because like when are we going to come back? Uh, I, I'm going to guess it's going to be for the release of uh, Kafka, the new cut. Yeah. Because um, I think that'll be the next thing that'll come out, uh, Soderbergh-related. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Maybe I'm going to say October. But, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's a, that'd be a good guess. Um, yeah. And again, hey, if you're listening to Steven Soderbergh, you might be. You're a weirdo who knows what you do, but uh, just, you know, if you don't want to release it in theaters or, or like on a, on disc, just release it on HBO Max. Come on. HBO Max would be a solid yeah. choice, right? Well, well re- release it in theaters first, then put it on <laughs> HBO Max. But before then, if you'd like some constructive uh, feedback, uh, send us a, a, a yeah. screener. Yeah. <laughs> At uh, what Talk Film Society at uh, whatever it is dot com or something. I'm yeah, guessing, talk, right? Yeah, Talk Film Society at Gmail. Email there me. There you go, Steven Soderberg <laughs> directly. <laughs> That's my email. <laughs> come on the show. Why not? And, and talk about it. Good. Yeah, That's what we're offering right now. Come on the show, Steven, and talk about Kafka um, or whatever else you want to talk about. <laughs> if you want to talk about Star Trek: The Motion Picture, we will have that conversation with you. I know. I know. We're trying to wrap up the show, but one last thing: like, if Steven Soderbergh decided to do a podcast, what yes. what do you think the topic would be? What do I think his podcast would be about? Yeah. Um. I mean, I, he he almost did one with Singani, but I guess that was more of a marketing tool, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he would probably talk about... I don't think it would have anything to do with movies. Um, <laughs> I don't think it would have anything to do with TV. I could potentially see something like football. Yeah, um, okay. You know, maybe. I, I could see something about alcohol. Um, alcohol football. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking he'd want to just use the medium to his full extent and kind of make like, I, I was gonna throw it out there. He'll make a Scatopolis, you know, limited podcast series, 10 episodes. He'll just go wild. I could see that. Or the other thing that I could see him doing is getting like all of his industry friends, you know, whether it's Channing Tatum or whoever (laughs) to come on the show and talk about things which are not. Yeah. And I would (laughs) listen to every single episode. (laughs) Or he'd force Channing Tatum to interview himself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he wouldn't be on the show at all. Soderbergh, you just like, mm-hmm. yeah, just do the Skitopolis commentary thing, yeah. which which I've been threatening to steal for like a, something I, I've been thinking about, but more on that later. Anyway, seems like a lot of work. I know like that. I, that, that's why I haven't done it yet, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> to interview myself, 
Um, yeah. It sounds like a lot. But anyway, yeah. uh, I'll work on that. All right. Um, uh, do we have a closing phrase? I think it's just like we'll be back uh, next time. We'll be back whenever S- Soderbergh decides to release something. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Neff. There you go. Hopefully. Hopefully.